Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. We've got two finals again. We're back in doubleheader season. Game one, it's the White Sox seven, the Indians two. Game two, the Indians answer back. It's the Indians five, the White Sox three. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And if it sounds a little better, sounds a little crisper, a little more richer sound, it's because I'm back in the studio, back on the good mic to talk baseball with you. And unfortunately, the Chicago White Sox, with that first win, have clinched the American League Central. I know, I know we were still hoping there was still a chance. We weren't hoping. There wasn't a chance. It was only a matter of time. The White Sox were running away with this season, and they officially have clinched the division today. Not only were the Indians eliminated from the uh, division, but they were officially eliminated from the wild card as well, so our playoff hopes are dashed. Now, I have to be, I'm lucky enough to get to be at work ridiculously early today and tomorrow. Friday and Saturday, I get to be in early, which means I'm actually recording this on Thursday night. So that makes this episode Cleveland Baseball Nightly. All right, so nightly episodes, it's a lot more gut reaction. It's a lot more straight to the point because not all the websites are up to date on their stats. And game one, I could be very to the point. I could be pretty direct about game one. It sucked. The White Sox knew that they were going to win the division, and they jumped on us early. They knew they were going to win the division with a win, and they jumped on us early. They were up 7 to nothing before the second inning was over. Aaron Savali only lasts an inning in two-thirds. Gives up seven hits, seven earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts, four home runs allowed, only 45 pitches. Guy was hard hit seven times on 45 pitches. Just brutal for Aaron Savali. And frankly, frankly, Aaron Savali's last few games not been that good. I mean, I was I was surprised. If you were going to tell me that Savali was starting one game of a doubleheader and Plesak was starting the other, and one pitcher was going to get lit up for a bunch of home runs, I would have guessed it was going to be Plesak, not Savali. But he got beat up against the Yankees. Oh, take that back. In his last start against the Yankees, this is what's so surprising. In his last start against the Yankees, he was so dominant in Yankee Stadium. He gets the win, goes six innings, four hits, shutout baseball was so sharp the game before that, back in Cleveland, he gets absolutely destroyed by the Milwaukee Brewers, only lasts three innings, gives up six hits in that one, gives up three home runs in that one. So he's now given up seven home runs in two games, which is more than he'd given up in any month the entire season. He only gave up six home runs in the month of May, and that's over one, two, three, four, five, six starts. He's now given up seven home runs in two sparks, two starts with some a miraculous start against the Yankees. I shouldn't say miraculous. Savali's a good pitcher with a fantastic start against the Yankees in between there. So what exactly is going on with Aaron Savali? Well, I can tell you the big storyline from game one is his pitch location. My God. 
the pitch location. He could not get the fastball, whether it was the four-seamer, the cutter, the two-seam sinker. He could not get a fastball down. The split was down. The curveball was down. Those pitches were fine. All the fastballs were up, or the cutters he was just missing across the zone with, just letting them break almost too much and throwing them too far inside to the lefties and away from the righties. So uh, could not get a fastball down. And sure enough, if we look at these four home runs and we look at the pitch location of these four home runs, they are all up. And I tweeted this out earlier, all at the top of the zone. The first one, let's go in order here. Um, the one hit by Tim Anderson was actually a cutter away in the first inning. On a 1-1 count, he throws him a cutter away, and Tim Anderson loves going opposite field, hits it 100.5 miles per hour out there to the seats in right center. And that's just what Tim Anderson will do. But you get through a pitch up, and you let him extend his arms. Now, the next one to, uh, let's see, which would come first here? Uh, I think Luis Robert was the next one. He gets himself a two-seam sinker at uh, 90 miles per hour. He ends up hitting this one 110.2 mile per hour exit velocity. This is up and middle of the plate. And he puts it out on the home run porch in left field. A monster home run from Luis Robert. Then Eloy Jimenez gets a one. He gets a high fastball. This one is a little higher and tighter but these guys were ready for the high stuff. At this point, they're just feasting on high fastballs. So he hits this one 107.9 out to left field. So it's three solo home runs. And then the big one, Tim Anderson, it's a three-run home run out to right field. Again, he goes opposite way. This time, it's a four-seam fastball up and away in the strike zone, but up and away that he hits out 104.4 mile per hour exit velocity again to right field. So, Aaron Savali could not get that fastball down, and it cost him, and it absolutely cost him. Three different types of fastball, didn't matter which one he was throwing, they were ready for the heat up, and they were absolutely smoking the ball. Luis Robert actually just missed another home run to knock Savali out of the game. He ends up banging one off the wall in center field that Miles Straw gets back in quickly, but runs come in to score, so... That is what happened to Aaron Savali today. Um, the guys pitching after him actually pitched okay, but at that point, I mean, the White Sox pretty much had this game wrapped up. They didn't really need to do much. Um, J.C. Mejia goes two and a third. Logan Allen goes two innings, and then Francisco Perez goes an inning of shutout baseball. But at that point, it was over. Ronaldo Lopez was solid for them to start, and then that bullpen of crochet, bummer, Kimbrell and then Hendricks. You think they knew they wanted to win that first game? They don't save Kimbrell or Hendricks for game two. They threw both of them in the sixth and the seventh inning because they wanted to win this game. And sure enough, Liam Hendricks gets the strikeout to end things, and he is pumped up. Now, uh, man, it was just it was one of those days where the it was the White Sox day. It wasn't our day. It wasn't our day. It was their day to clinch the division, and they got it done in game one. Offensively, we do get some solo home runs. Bobby Bradley gets a solo home run. Austin Hedges gets a solo home run. We put together a couple of rallies there. We had runners on base a couple of times. It just doesn't amount to anything. Um, You know, we had a chance there in the sixth inning. 
A bunch of guys were given free passes. Bradley Zimmer's hit by a pitch, but then caught stealing. Jose Ramirez walks. Bobby Bradley walks. Unfortunately, we can't get a hit in the inning to put together a rally. So, I mean, it's just a situation where that was their game. Let's put it behind us. What's the point? What's the point of belaboring the issue? Savali was really bad, and we, we need to hear what was going on you know, why he couldn't get that fastball down. He's he's someone who I trust to throw to all four quadrants, and he was not making it happen uh, in this game. So we got our butts kicked. That's the storyline. We got our butts kicked, and the White Sox take the division. So let's jump over to game two because the Indians did not give up fighting on this day. They definitely went to a B lineup. You know, a lot of the stars are out of the lineup for the second game. But the Indians, you got to give them credit. They hung in this one, and they kept fighting. And Zach Plesak pitched really good, um, you know, to come back and get a win for his team. He doesn't technically get the win. Uh, I believe the win goes to Classe on the second game. Uh, yes, it does. So, Classe uh, gets the the old blown save win. How many times have we seen it? Uh, the old blown save win because he gives up a run in the top of the seventh, but they come back to win it in the bottom of the seventh. We will get there. We will get there. First, I want to talk about this fourth inning because the fourth inning was one of the most bizarre innings uh, I've seen in a while. A lot of stuff happens in this fourth inning, including... For Neil Reyes, who is out there playing right field, which he tends to do in the second half of these doubleheaders, he's out there in right field. Uh, Yasmani Grandal ends up hitting one into the right field corner. It takes a nice friendly hop right back to Fermil Reyes, and the dude comes up firing. The Franimal comes up firing, and frankly, there's a beautiful ball to Yu Chang at shortstop uh, who gets it and tags the base. Uh, was it Yu Chang playing shortstop? Who was playing shortstop in this second game to start? That's a great question. Either way, uh, Framil Reyes throws a beautiful ball to, yes, it was Chang who started as shortstop. And it's a nice one hopper. It comes in right at the chest and he gets a really easy tag down on Yasmani Grandal trying to get a double out of a ball in the corner. So, you can't blame Grandal for going for two. When you hit one in the quarter, you're thinking double off the crack of the bat. But for Mio Reyes, like I said, got a really nice bounce and made a really strong relay throw. That's just a really great throw from Mio Reyes. So that's how we kick off the fourth inning. You know, we really put a damper on what they probably thought could have been a big inning for them. Then we come up in the fourth inning, and oh boy, do things get weird. So we start this fourth inning off with a Jose Ramirez walk. All right, good way to start an inning. For Mio Reyes with a single and a ball to center field, Jose Ramirez will go to third. There is, man, watching Jose Ramirez, I was going to say there's few things I enjoy more in baseball, but that's not completely true. Uh, it is fun to watch Jose Ramirez take an extra base. Anytime he can take an extra base, whether that's coming home, you know, being on second and coming home on a single, whether that's legging out a double, or in this case, going from first to third. If you got kids, have them watch the way Jose Ramirez runs bases because he does a fantastic job of going from first to third on this single by race up the middle. He knows Billy Hamilton doesn't have the strongest arm, but he hits 
second base like he shot out of a cannon and absolutely takes third on his speed. It didn't matter who was playing center field. Trout could have been out there in center field, and he was taking third base on that single. Then Bobby Bradley fortunately strikes out. He did foul off one pretty hard down the right field line. You got to figure that was probably the pitch in the at-bat. And how many times do we talk about it? That was probably the pitch in the at-bat that he should have done damage with. Instead, he fouls it off, and he ends up striking out uh, with runners on the corner and nobody out. That hurts. That really hurts because you got to bring that run in from third. Well, uh, pitcher Mike Wright does us a favor, throws a wild pitch. Uh, the catcher is set up. Collins is set up way inside, and he ends up throwing one way outside to Yu Chang, and the run comes in to score. Then this is where things get even weirder. Uh, so now there's a runner on second, Yu Cheng singles past a diving shortstop, Lurie Garcia. Framil Reyes gets basically held up at second base. It looks like Garcia might come up with this thing. And if he does, Framil Reyes would be a dead duck at third base. He'd actually be doing Garcia a favor by running to third. Because if Garcia does come up with this ball, he's going to have a really hard time throwing out Yu Cheng all the way across the diamond. But Fermil Reyes would make himself an easy target going to third, so he initially goes back to second. Once the ball gets past him and gets through his glove, Fermil Reyes frankly has such a hard time stopping his momentum and changing directions that the ball is already out at Adam Engel, and he decides, I'm just staying at second base. I'm just, I'm just staying here. I don't have a force on me. I'm safe. I'm just staying here. And so Yu Cheng hits a single uh, off through the left side, and the runner literally cannot even advance a base. So, bizarre stuff. Uh, and then, unfortunately, that's where the inning would die. Roberto Perez would ground out to the pitcher, which would move... Oh, that was the other bizarre play. I knew there was another bizarre thing about this inning. Roberto Perez doesn't ground out to the pitcher. Roberto Perez hits one into foul territory that had opposite way down the right field line, which is opposite way for him, that had so much spin and so much English on it that it ends up bending back fair. When have you ever seen that? I mean, how many times have we watched a ball trickle down the third base line and get to the edge of the grass and roll foul? Have you ever seen it roll back the other way? Have you ever seen a ball start on the grass in foul territory and then roll back into the baseline? It's like when your ball bounces out of the gutter in bowling and ends up, you know, taking out a few pins. You look at it like, how, what in the world of physics are you doing? So, <laughs> Roberto Perez hits a foul ball that bends back fair. The runners do move up. He's out at first. Owen Miller would hit a nice shot, but this time, uh, Lurie Garcia would make the stop and throw him out at first base. It's a bang-bang play at first base. So, Owen Miller gives it a good try up the middle, but can't get the hit. This would come back around. Because in the sixth inning, uh, the White Sox would take a 2-1 to lead in the sixth, in the bottom of the sixth. Uh, Plesak would let a couple runners on before Brian Shaw gives up the hit uh, that would let them score two runs in the top of the sixth. Um, Andrew Vaughn would deliver a single into left field. And uh, Lurie Garcia and Yasmani Grandal would come in to score. They would get uh, Brian Goodwin in a rundown here. This was with the bases loaded. And they would tag him out to end the threat. But they would take a 2-1 to lead. So the Indians come up in the bottom of the sixth. This time it starts with a Jose Ramirez strikeout. Fermil Reyes would walk, though, to start things off. 
They start bringing in the pinch runners. Bradley Zimmer pinch runs for him. Bobby Bradley singles on a ball to left field. Uh, they then uh, follow that up with a Yu Cheng single, and it loads the bases. Uh, Bradley Zimmer can't come in to score. It loads the bases, and that brings up Roberto Perez. He would strike out. By the way, they bring in Andres Jimenez to pinch run for Bobby Bradley at second base. With Roberto Perez striking out, that would bring up Owen Miller. And Owen Miller gets another chance. And what does he do? He does the same thing. Takes the same approach. Uses the middle of the field. This time he shoots one right up the pipe. It gets out into center field. Two runs come in to score. It's a bang-bang play for Andres Jimenez. But for all of you that give DeMarlo Hale a hard time, he makes the right call here by bringing in the pinch runner at second base because Jimenez is able to come in to score. And I think in a foot race, we all know that Jimenez is faster than Bobby Bradley. So Jimenez is able to come in and score. The Indians take a 3-2 lead. And uh, yeah, they've got it all set up for the seventh inning. So it's fun how that comes back around. That's what I'm talking about, storylines in a baseball game. Owen Miller had a chance to bust things open. He had a really nice approach. It's just that the shortstop on the other team made a fantastic sliding play to get the ball. Now he comes up, keeps that same good approach, and this time the results pay off. That's storylines in baseball right there. However, (laughs) Emmanuel Classe would unfortunately get into some trouble. He would end up giving up three hits. They would end up loading the bases. Um, and then they would hit a chopper to uh, first base. Yu Chang had moved over there um, for this game. So Yu Chang fields it at first base. Unfortunately, he was charging in so hard that he couldn't really get the ball out of his glove cleanly. He kind of bobbles it. The run comes in to score. Would he have got the runner at home? It would have been really close. It goes as an unearned run for Emmanuel Classe. But then he's able to get ground balls on the next two batters. Uh, he gets a, uh, was it the next two batters? Uh, he definitely got one more ground ball. I can tell you that much. Um, he gets Adam Engel to strike out swinging. Then he gets Larry Garcia to ground into a force out where shortstop Andres Jimenez comes home with it. But the bases stay loaded. Ah, it was a pop out. He gets Yasmani Grandal to pop out to shortstop to end the threat. So the White Sox do tie it. Emmanuel Classe really walks a tightrope there of not giving up the lead and giving his team a chance in the bottom of the seventh inning. And this is an Indians team that even though they lost the division and they very easily could have tucked their tails and just given up on this day, on this, you know, doubleheader, on this series against the White Sox, they were fighting the whole time. When Andres Jimenez scored that go-ahead run in the sixth inning, they were fired up. The whole team was fired up, and they sure as hell were fired up to finish this game. Miles Straw starts starts things out with a nice single to center field, and then Oscar Mercado comes up and on a 2-0 count gets a high fastball, and we've seen Oscar Mercado hit some laser home runs to left field, right? Some some real line drive home runs to left field. This one was a no doubt about it, big moonshot home run from Oscar Mercado, 101.4 miles per hour, 30-degree launch angle, 391 feet out there to left field for a walk-off home run, and they celebrated like a team that's still enjoying playing baseball. They celebrated like a team that still enjoys walking off a baseball game. 
And as a fan, I appreciate that. As a fan who's still watching baseball games on September 23rd, when the team is still below 500 and we're still two games below 500 when they've been eliminated from playoff contention on a day where the weather feels like November 23rd instead of September 23rd for you you know morning people that are not in the Cleveland area it has been really nasty the last two days and it got cold today the Indians are still out there playing baseball for you so give Oscar Mercado credit he, uh, he in the post-game interview with uh, Andre Knott, he talked about how him and Miles Straw kind of looked at each other in the outfield and were like, bro, we got we got to get going. We got to do something. And he talked about how, you know, the team has really been supportive of him. Uh, they clearly have a good, good chemistry in that clubhouse amongst some of those guys. And uh, I I want I want Mercado to succeed. I, I really want him to su- succeed, you know. There was a point where we thought he was going to be the center fielder of the future. We thought he was at least going to be an outfielder of the future. And it just hasn't seemed to click yet. He's only hitting 219. He's only got an OPS of 672 on the season. Like I said, him and Zimmer are just kind of hovering around the same thing. And you're just waiting for one of them to just break out and become a, not even an all-star. Just a, a you know a competent, serviceable outfielder and hitter and I mean basically what Lonnie Chisenhall was for a few years right right the guy hit 260 270 played great defense Uh, nobody had any complaints about Lonnie Chisenhall out there in left field yeah he would strike out sometimes sometimes he'd get a little pull happy but he was serviceable he was a guy you could depend on to you know at least give you average major league production and that's what we're looking for right now for Mercado or Zimmer like if you're gonna stick around if we're not gonna go out and spend money on outfielders you need to prove that you're gonna be serviceable so a big hit for Oscar Mercado he gets MVP for the day no matter what happens in a doubleheader if you walk it off on an up you know a bottom of the seventh home run you're taking home MVP for the day so yeah, it was a weird two games. It was a weird, I mean, we get our butts kicked in the first one. We come back and we fight in the second one. Yeah, it was against the B lineup for the White Sox. But hey, there's still Major League Baseball players across the diamond. And they were still out there fighting. They were still out there trying to win. They've got home field advantage to think about now. So they're not giving up any games. So yeah, the Indians do a really good job of coming back in game two. And now... We got plenty of games left against the Chicago White Sox to figure this thing out and see if we can get back to 500. That's really all we got left. That's all we got left on this season. I don't think the next you know two weeks are going to tell you whether a guy belongs or not. You're going to have to look at the whole body of work. But we can keep putting in the work. We can keep getting ready. And we can support our ace who's coming back to pitch for us today. Shane Bieber is going to be on the mound today. I heard him talking briefly. I can't believe this on morning Cleveland radio about Shane Bieber coming back. And of course, the drama of morning radio. The, oh my, what could happen? What if he would get hurt again? No, stop it. The guy has been working really hard, rehabbing and bringing himself back. This isn't this isn't like an ACL that fell apart or something like that. This isn't a contact sport like football. Um, 
you know, this was wear and tear on the shoulder that the guy has rehabbed and made himself stronger and I'm sure built up the muscles around that shoulder and that rotator cuff to uh, come back and be able to pitch. And you want him to get in a few innings of Major League Baseball so he's got that taste again and that fire again to go into his offseason program and come back in spring training and be our ace again. So I'm excited. I have no reservations about this. I'm excited for Shane Bieber to get back out there even if it is two, three innings. It's fine. That's fine. Go out there, have some fun with the boys, and uh, get a little baseball in before it's over. Because before you know it, it's going to be over, and uh, we're going to have to sit around and wait for spring training games again. So enjoy the baseball that we have left. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly Uh, For show merch, remember to visit clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com for premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs. We got stuff for men, women, kids. Show off your pride for Cleveland baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. The link is in the show notes, and it's my pinned tweet on Twitter, at Davey Barris. They're really soft, comfortable t-shirts, so if you want to add another Cleveland baseball t-shirt to your collection support the show you know pitch in and then when people ask you hey what's cleveland baseball mornings you can tell them it's this pretty cool podcast i listen to pretty fun baseball conversation all right again the final from cleveland we got two finals it's the uh, white Sox seven the indians two then the indians five and the white Sox three we'll be back tomorrow to talk shane bieber it'll be another nightly episode That'll be a fun one. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. Baseball Nightly.